Hello and welcome to International Waters. I'm your host, Jesse Thorne. While America prefers to contain itself in one big, vaguely whale-shaped throne of power, Britain has splooged its colonies across the face of the world. They're kind of like the TGI Fridays of pan-global empires. In the 18th century, British prisons were so overcrowded that the island of Australia, which was hardly full at all except for its, you know indigenous peoples, was declared to be a penal colony. Soon, thousands of British convicts were shipped off to endure a lifetime's punishment of perpetual sunshine, Christmas on the beach, and all the koalas they could cuddle, which really showed those guys. Anyway, those criminals met some girls and had some babies, and 200 years later, the UK and Australia still have a loving, if complicated, relationship. Loud, crude, but big-hearted Australia often plays John Candy to the UK's uptight and curmudgeonly Steve Martin. It's a reference to planes, trains, and automobiles, by the way. But now we see what happens when the cousins reunite to gang up on the nation the whole world loves to hate. That's right. On this episode of International Waters, Australia and the UK combine forces to take on God's own United States of America in a very special episode of International Waters. Hey, International Waters listeners, it's me, Jesse. Listen, this is a very expensive production. I got to pay for my yacht. We got two writers. We got a producer. We got engineers on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, and that's why we're having Max Fun Day on October 15th. It's a day of celebration of maximum fun. Go to MaximumFun.org slash MaxFunDay. Our goal is 1,000 new MaximumFun.org supporters. And to support that, we'll have all kinds of great activities like uh, AMAs, that's Ask Me Anythings on Reddit and Google Jam Ups or whatever they're called. I can't remember. It's all going to be a lot of fun. We're all going to be hashtagging and social media liking. Go to MaximumFun.org slash MaxFunday and mark your calendars for Monday, October 15th, because that is the one big day. Look, I don't mean to put too much on this, but in all sincerity, the future of international waters hangs in the balance. So, MaximumFun.org slash MaxFunday, October 15th. You're listening to International Waters. I'm your host, Jesse Thorne. As usual, I'll be moderating this contest from my luxury recording yacht, which is currently anchored in the Mediterranean Sea off the coast of the world-famous party island, Ibiza. If you listen closely, you can hear the enchanting rhythms of the awful house music that seems to delight the island's many club-goers. Wait. Playing for the nation that will stop making Resident Evil movies when it's good and ready is a writer, actress, and alumna of the world-famous Second City Comedy Theater, Miss Robin Thede. Hey, Robin. Yay! Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Robin. Also representing the country that is abbreviated in the Spanish language as E-E-U-U or A-A-U-U 
is stand-up comic and host of the Smartest Man in the World podcast, Mr. Greg Proops. How are you, Gregory? Uh, I'm real well. How is everybody? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> it's a little early for you to be speaking, speaking like a man who's had four cocktails. <laughs> I don't know. Anytime's the right time. Not in the UK. <laughs> the sun's over the yard arm somewhere. That's Certainly. right. Alcohol never sleeps. I need you to know that. <laughs> <laughs> Playing for the nation that looks down on the rest of the world, even though it invented the deep-fried Mars bar, from BBC Radio's science and comedy show The Infinite Monkey Cage and the Comedy Central podcast Robin and Josie's Utter Shambles, comedian Robin Inns. Hey, Robin, how are you? Well, I feel reasonably disenfranchised from the fact that I'm merely surrounded both virtually and physically by colonials who have many uh, scores to settle, <laughs> and also by the fact that you made Australia sound like the opening of the Brady Bunch TV series, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> and then they had children. But did they get on with the indigenous people? Did it do? It would be great. It's a great sitcom. I think almost every historical event would be better if it involved those little boxes moving across absolutely. the screen with yeah. people's faces in them. Or if it just had a theme song in general. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A fun one. Like maybe an Alan Thick one, you know? Oh, that would be good. Something really fun. Or take the guy the good, that sung the bad. all those 90s sitcoms one. The Full House step-by-step with the really gravelly voice. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Joining Robin from another country that loves the Queen, Cricket and Tea, an Australian comedian whose latest live show, The Telescope was nominated for the 2012 Edinburgh Comedy Award. And whose comedy info factbook, 100 Facts About Sharks, is currently almost sold out on the UK Amazon store, Claudia O'Doherty. Hi, Claudia. G'day, mates. (laughs) (laughs) That was stereotypical. (laughs) We're going to ask you to continue to uh, speak exclusively in things that we're familiar with from the movie Crocodile Dundee. (laughs) All right, Cobber. Oh, God. <laughs> Can I ask you, did you think of Australian culture? Do you, 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 uh, you know the, the, the movie Mad Max? You know this, Claudia, just yeah. to make sure we can build some animosity against these people. Was oh, dubbed, we're going to destroy them, Robin. Dubbed into the American <laughs> accent uh, for the US release yeah. for fear that the Australian accent will be misunderstood. Really? That's a common misconception, by the way, Robin, and uh, utterly patronizing, or as I think you'll find, patronizing. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't dubbed in. It was dubbed into Scottish. It was the movie Transmitting that was dubbed into Australian. That's right. Well, we're on and popping. Thanks for being here, everybody. <laughs> We're going to start the show with a little pop culture warm-up we like to call What's the Story? I'll be asking our panelists questions about a variety of recent cultural events. They'll be awarded two points for correct answers and one point for incorrect answers that I think are funny. And let's be absolutely clear, the points in this game, completely irrelevant. <laughs> also, since buzzers might attract sweaty Mediterranean disco enthusiasts, which would be horrible for me, I'm asking our panelists to choose a buzz-in word that best represents their nation. UK team, I'm going to start for you. I guess you'll be picking a word that represents the Commonwealth. Uh, what word would you like to use to buzz in? I don't think... Can, can I just have... Because it's kind of the sense of the end <laughs> of the proud Britishness that we've had for the last 20... Uh-huh. Well, really, 100 years ago. Are we still in charge? No, we aren't. Oh, wah, wah, wah. That's going to really keep my spirits high. Yeah, and then you can have idea. something upbeat because you're still from a young and new country. I will, but we're on the same team, Robin. Oh, okay. We're not... I don't think we're battling each other. Oh, dear. I'll put this... Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I th- Sheathe I- your weapons, sir. <laughs> I thought maybe um, wackadoo, but that is pretty different to wackadoo. Right? That's yeah. good. Wackadoo's Wha- good. What about wackadoo? What about wacka wah wah wah? So it starts off oh, with like, the energy of a young country, wah, and then wackadoo. Yeah, that, then it's upbeat at the end. The Americans love upbeat endings. Yeah, great. <laughs> I'm glad that you guys are having so much fun over there. I'm just going to have you go with wackadoo because okay. it's simple, it's punchy, it's to the point. Uh, U.S. team, what would you like to ring in with? I defer to you, Robin, and um, your, your pulchritude and femininity. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, let's see, Americans. Uh, the L.A. County Fair is going on right now, and they're deep-frying a lot of things. I think that's very American. Perfect. Perhaps donuts? Yeah. Twanky. Twinkie. I like it. I like it. Twinkie. Okay, so UK team or Commonwealth team, I should say, you'll be ringing in with wackadoo. And US team, you'll be ringing in with Twinkie or yeah. in your preferred pronunciation, Twanky. 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 I like that. Okay, guys, buzzwords at the ready. Here is your first question. U.S. presidential candidate Mitt Romney recently said that he's a fan of what MTV reality star? Twanky. Oh, U.S. Snooky. That is absolutely correct. Uh, Saying that Snooky was his favorite MTV reality star was part of Romney's new, please, please, over here, dear God, look at me, look at me (laughs) initiative. Uh, He is also going to be doing the Gangnam style dance. Yep. And he's making a lip dub of the song Call Me Maybe. Yeah. So a series (laughs) of desperate attempts to refocus attention on Mitt Romney's positive side. Well, he's remixing all the titles, though, to add the word victim. Yes, that's true. A French paparazzo faces criminal charges for taking a picture of Kate Middleton doing what? Oh. Wow, she's really. She's, she's really, yeah. That was before I, I she's even do a comedy answer, not the real one, because she's really pushy, and this is not going to last long as a podcast. <laughs> okay, I'll stop after this. Okay, Robin, what, what's I'm your answer? Like well, it. my answer is two parts: one, sunbathing, but two, being nasty. Oh yeah, that's right. She was sunbathing topless or European style. This is coming hot on the heels of Prince Harry's nude Vegas fiasco. So uh, I wouldn't have called it a fiasco. I'd have thought it was a triumph. Absolutely. <laughs> have you ever been in a room with a bunch of naked people doing blow all night? It's awesome. Or as we say in England, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at the risk of editorializing, I would like to say, hey, Duke of Edinburgh, your turn to do some naked stuff. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to see Philip's Big Ben at any point. Really? <laughs> but no one's seen this. Anyone, have you seen the, the Kate Middleton pictures? Has anyone oh, seen yes. them? Right, they they yeah, basically, yeah. It, they, are so, they look like the kind of thing that would kind of be behind a radiator in a David Lynch film, because you can't <laughs> see anything. It's just a collection of kind of pencil marks. That's all it is. And people are, can you believe it? You can almost see the hint of an absurdist memory of a breast from a distance. <laughs> it's just too bad it wasn't Pippa booing to the surface. That would have been right. a much more entertaining picture, and then Greenpeace could have been sent out to protect those cheeks. Oh. It's a, this guy is he's sort of like a progressive paparazzo. I think that's what it oh. is. He's an abstract paparazzo. Is a new. Yes. He's a paparazzo. It's true. <laughs> oh, what I found fascinating was just the ability that he had to take it from so far away. I know, Did you see right? the shot from how far he was? I didn't know cameras could do that. I mean, I was impressed with my iPhone 5 that's coming, but his camera position. It's truly spectacular. Well, I think more and more paparazzi are working with Hubble Space Telescope technology. True. They really are. That's what I said to my wife. I'm like, how far away was this picture taken from? And then you could see Mars, and you were like, oh, you could. this you is could from see. away. 
Russia and Mars. (laughs) There's still canals on both Kate and Mars. Chad Kroger of Nickelback recently got engaged to what other titan of Canadian music? Twinkie. Oh, U.S. again. Uh, (laughs) uh, Avril Lavigne. That's absolutely correct. The couple said that they are excited to make, quote, beautiful music together. Can I point out to you that since they've gotten married, their album sales have doubled to two. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not very familiar with Nickelback. Is he a skater boy? Would he qualify as a skater boy? (laughs) That's a good question. Uh, apparently, she didn't say "see you later, boy." Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nickelback is, uh, I believe, by consensus in North America, the uncoolest group that ever lived. Yeah. yeah. People protested them yeah. in uh, in Detroit, right? At yeah. the uh, what game was it? I don't. I can't remember. There's nowhere you can go yeah. though that Nickelback isn't the punchline to a joke. If That's you go, if you go to Canada. Uh, like they're just a running joke and they're wildly popular. Kind of like the beautiful South was in the 90s in the UK. <laughs> right. Somebody was buying the albums, but no one would admit to whom. See, I, I think Nickelback sound like if you imagined a psychic medium pretending to try and channel Nirvana, that would be Nickelback. You know, when you say, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> right, something, I'm getting something, it's kind of... Right. That's kind of Nickelback. <laughs> they're, they're, they're a ghostly after memory of someone who doesn't actually know the original source that's stolen. <laughs> If only they were a ghostly after memory, then I would like them. Right. So many artists, if they were gone, they'd be good. If like, you, if so I said true. Billy Joel and was just shot in a, in a shootout with New Jersey State Troopers, you'd go like, he was good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he really had some and good I, songs. I, I, yeah, now that I think about it, Uptown Squirrel, I like yeah. that one. Or <laughs> I don't remember his work perfectly. No, but if he was dead, you'd be like, he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> So true. After a famously unsuccessful movie adaptation starring Sylvester Stallone, this British comic book character got a film reboot what, what, earlier what, this month. What could do? 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 The Commonwealth. <laughs> yes, go on then. Go on, go on. Um, it's Judge Dredd. Yes, that's right? absolutely correct. The, the question is, will this comic book dynamo unseat the Avengers as king of the box office? The answer, of course, almost certainly yes. No. Don't see how that could go wrong. No. The first Judge Dredd movie was so important. Port, point, important. <laughs> <laughs> Pointed and salient and great. And... Yep. Can you tell me what the relevant. difference is between Judge Dredd and Demolition Man? Yeah. Uh, the title? Of the movie? Yeah. Wasn't Rob Schneider in both of them, too, I think as a so. sidekick? Yeah. And Robocop. So. Robocop is different, too, right? Oh, yeah, and they're remaking Robocop, and I'm not happy with that at all. Because I know no. they'll, they'll do the same they do with Total Recall, with all those things. That go. What was lacking in the original? You know, what, 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 what should we get rid of? A kind of element of uh, scathing satire on uh, modern existence? Yeah, what we need <laughs> is just more CGI and empty right. death. <laughs> Which one is more like Mrs. Doubtfire? Well, they both are, because in Judge Dredd, he has lost his children, and uh, so he has to dress up in a mask, and the only reason that he does all the killing is the hope that he can take his children on a holiday to a small island off the coast of England. Does he go on a date with two women at the same time? Yeah, there's a great bit where he's putting the mask back on. He goes, oh, God, I'm Dredd here, but I'm Judge with the other woman. Hey, don't know what to do. It's I'm brilliant. It's kind of me. Judge Dredd's more like Mr. Magoo, uh, uh, really. Right. Hey, Judge, what are you shooting at? Hey, you know, my visor's too low. <laughs> Yo, I killed the woman. <laughs> that that sounds a, so much better than the remake. I want to hear this. That was a version. That was a really great impression of Robin Williams as RoboCop. By the way, <laughs> one of the best I've ever heard. Doing Snagglepuss. Yeah. Right. 
My uh, my mom's best friend's brother was personal hairstylist. Was personal hairstylist to Wesley Snipes. I see. And during the Demolition Man era. During the Demolition Man era, I met in fact Wesley Snipes, courtesy of my mom's best friend's brother, on the set of Murder at Sixteen Hundred. Wow. Um, but How the old truth were you, is, Jesse? I was about ten, maybe ten. Did you try to play it cool? I did, uh, although my aunt, uh, my mom's best friend, told me that uh, she, she got she had gone to a party with him and gotten a hug from him, and Ooh. she came home. I was staying at her house, and she said, "Oh, Jesse, I just hugged Wesley Snipes, <laughs> and and I got home and woo, panties to the ceiling." Wow, oh my goodness, that's what she told this me. This is what your aunt said to you. She's a, she's an outrageous woman. I don't even understand panties to the ceiling. Yeah, well, she was very erotically mean? charged by the act of hugging yes, I, Wesley I, Snipes. That part I understood. It was the telling you that, I I know, that, that I'm is, highly uncomfortable that with, for me. even but at this late date. Demolition so, so at 10 Man. 10 years old when you met him, Yeah. all you could think to do was give him tax advice. And that was what really happened. The 10-year-old <laughs> tax advice that he got ruined his life. Yeah, exactly. I'm the one who told him about the constitutional issues yeah. with federal income taxes that, that led to sense. his You know what I'd like to see happen in your career? Skip the Oscar. I want you to do some federal time a little bit later <laughs> yeah. so that the really sucky stars can move forward and Colin Farrell can be in more action films and we yeah. don't have you anymore. Demolition yeah. Man was a really significant point in my uh, mom's best friend's brother's career, though, because she he had been traveling with Wesley Snipes for some years. And outside of a slightly high fade at one point in the late 80s, he had essentially just had hair on his head for about four years, and he got to bleach it for Demolition yeah, Man. Yeah, he, he did a white fur hawk, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that would have been Anyway, thrilling. at the end of that round, the score, US 6, Commonwealth... Two. Oh, oh, that's well, great news. If I'd we like win, <laughs> how, how disconcerting. Yeah, that would be good. Be real underdog comeback story. Yeah. Although I'm that's so true. upset, I think I might just stop stop doing the podcast. Don't stop. I think I'm going okay. to throw in the towel. This is terrible. I'm <laughs> Where's that famous Antipodean pluck? <laughs> that's just the pep talk I needed. Let's do that for the podcast now. Welcome back, Clods. <laughs> this will cheer you up. My mother's friend once stood near Lee Marvin. Good. <laughs> I've never felt more true. alive. Entirely true. Oh, my goodness. And this someone else crazy. has seen Cliff Robertson's ears up very... The enormous ears. I don't know. I know we shouldn't bring up Cliff Robertson's Cliff ears. Robertson? He's, he's dead now, but he, he played... Uh, the, I mean, he did many, many films. Uh, and uh, I suppose one of his last works was he was Spider-Man's dad, uh, oh. uncle. Oh, and oh. Before I had to reboot it because it got too confusing. And he, he has, won an Academy has long Award ears. for Charlie. Sorry. He was best actor for Charlie, Flowers for All. That's right. Yeah. He was a Canadian actor, so he was Commonwealth as well. But he portrayed Americans. He's also awesomely in Escape from L.A., he plays president of the United States. That's when his ears are at their longest. You know, near they the really end, are. end scene, <laughs> his, his ears, ears are, are so long. I saw a great USA Today infographic about that, and you're absolutely correct. Yeah, they used yellow to chart his ear growth. <laughs> <laughs> To make our Australian guest feel at home, here's a round about Australian things which we in no way cribbed from watching Young Einstein and the Bart vs. Australia episode of The Simpsons. Oh, great. This will be good. (laughs) Whack, whackadoo, genocide? Oh, that's not the answer. (laughs) Claudia, just to keep things sort of fair, you can't buzz in, but you can help out if no one has the answer. So here's the first question. 
Name the famous sheepskin boot manufactured in Australia, beloved by glamorous L.A. starlets and obese housewives who have given up hope alike. Is it A, pft, B, ugh, C, meh, or D, whatever? Twinkie. U.S. Uh, ugh. You are absolutely correct, which is also the noise that other people make when you wear them in public. It's true. I don't even understand this. In L.A., I thought it was going to go away, but women still insist on wearing the tiniest shorts with these woolen boots. And I'm like, your feet have to be It makes you look like a cave person, though, and that's kind of cool. It does. Right? Well, (laughs) yeah, that can be. They look like socks that have got neurofibromatosis. Robin, I can see (laughs) that you're wearing Ugg boots and short shorts right now. Don't pretend you're not just because this is a podcast. I was wearing, I'm wearing them, and I'm also wearing an UGG top and an UGG doublet and an, an UGG merkin as well. So I, I appear to be a sheep that's very excited about hugging Wesley Snipes when your mother's friend met Lee Marvin. I don't mean to get all Lee Marvin on you with the sort of name dropping and place dropping, but when I was at the Sundance Film Festival... Um, again, no big deal. What was it like parking cars there, Jess? (laughs) (laughs) Did you misplace anyone's keys? When I was at Sunday... Michelle Pfeiffer give you the Beamer, did she? I was stunned at the sheer volume of Los Angeles women in, like, ankle-deep snow wearing Ugg boots, which are essentially reverse wicking. You know, they are... It is truly... It was a truly spectacular scene. Well, I'm just waiting for years from now when all of these withered feet come out of the Uggs and, <laughs> and, and they find a new strain of athlete's foot that is incurable. It's sort of like swine flu. Yeah. Yes, swine foot. <laughs> but guys, they are cozy. They are super cozy. They are. They are, actually. Thank you, Greg. (laughs) It's true. It's just something I see these, I've seen women in public, don't ask why, taking off their Uggs with no socks. And I'm just like, your feet. What are you doing? That is a funky scene. It's very funky. Not not funky fresh either. Just funky. Uh, It's kind of hobbit chic, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Liam and Harry from UK pop atrocity One Direction recently had a health scare in Australia when they, A, were kidnapped by a dingo, B, got startled by a possum, C, got bitten by a spider, or D, got peed on by a koala. Wackadoo. Uh, I'm going to go with the UK on this one. Okay. I think it's the koala urine. Yes, you are absolutely correct. By the way, I thought your question B, I thought, was only going to be got startled. I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to answer it with a question, which was, what's a One Direction? (laughs) Oh, you're playing cool here. One Direction are No, I don't know. When I watched the VMAs last week, I saw them for the first time, and I was like, I don't understand this. They're the S Club 7 of a new generation. (laughs) Okay. Now it makes we're, sense. We're getting old is the explanation. Damn you. Are you are you also familiar with Dead Mouse? Yes, very okay. much so. What's well, that? Then. I don't know what that is. Yeah, see? This is what happens. We all get old and die. Well. I'm 14 um, years old. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> In this studio, it's hideous. It's like it's like a remake of Lolita. I'm, I'm petrified. <laughs> a rebake? <laughs> yeah, a rebake of, of Lolita. I'm, I'm half Frank Langella, half Peter Sellers, and a little bit of Nixon. It's all over the shop. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rebake of Lolita. Let's just say it didn't rise properly last oh. time. 
Getting uh, a little spicy here. In the, the answer <laughs> was peed on by a koala. As it turns out, koalas are riddled with chlamydia, oh and their Jesus. pee can be infectious. But don't worry, Liam and Harry are totally fine. Any chlamydia they may have is purely coincidental. <laughs> now, by infectious, do you mean cute? Yes, it is. It's winning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, here's, here's a good one. What is the capital of Australia? Is it Sydney, Melbourne, Canberra, or Perth? Twinkie. What? Oh. oh, wow. Yes, U.S. team. Canberra. You're absolutely correct. The punch no, say it answer, properly. By the way, Canberra. Canberra. <laughs> Canberra. 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 I played this, Canberra last this year. This is adorable, everybody. <laughs> In what? <laughs> a biopic of the great cities of Australia? <laughs> yes. What I did was I took on the facade of a Capitol building and I wandered around the outback until now. You I invaded performed. an Australian let primary me, school. Let me make it more specific for you, Jesse, since obviously semantics is not a strength. <laughs> I performed in the city of Canberra uh-huh. in front of many uh, what they call cockies. Well, there should be cockatoos, which are everywhere. Okay, Australia is famous for its big things, oversized roadside tourist attractions. Which of the following is a real big thing? A, big ant. B, big banana. C, the big Rubik's Cube. Or D, the big penguin. Oh, they've all got to be real. Twinkie. U.S. I'm going to say the big banana, not because of its phallic sort of properties, but because it's a guess. Oh, I see. A fruit-based guess. Well, you are correct in part, but I am actually going to give two points to uh, the other Robin, who correctly identified the real answer to the question, all of these are real things in Australia. But they didn't say wackadoo. Yeah, well, you know, well, you I can't did, win but it in a all. very sheepish manner. This is the problem with being your own buzzer. <laughs> if you might know, both of us, when we do it, we go, where's you, where's you go? Twinkie! We go, where could would you? Would you like to do it? Oh. But there actually is a big sheep, and there's also a big prawn. Yeah. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm not joking. What is this all about, Claudia? Um, I think it's just exciting. There's so many um, freeways because it's like a 10-hour drive between the cities. And so then it's just like amazing to see a giant prawn on the horizon. <laughs> but also the big banana is the best because it has a huge um, metal slide down the hill behind it and you go on a toboggan. It's incredible. That does sound pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, and for the record, there is a big donut in L.A. in Inglewood. Yeah, that's true. So. Giant donut. To, to be honest, even if you haven't driven 10 hours, seeing a giant prawn on the horizon is always exciting. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Especially on first date. That typically comes up when you've been doing peyote. I see many things. Giant shrimp, which are uh, oxymoronic. Right. That's true. <laughs> right, right by my house, there is something called the chicken boy, which is a roughly 20-foot-tall, oh, yeah. 15-20-foot-tall Man with a chicken's head that's eating a oh. bucket of fried chicken. Yes. Oh, yes. no, that's too... Do you remember Kids in the Hall used to have that terrifying chicken lady character? Yes. 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 The, one yes. of the most frightening things where I wanted to laugh, but the horror of imagining that maybe, maybe these yes. scientists we hear about may be working genetically to splice such a thing together. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally possible. Yeah, if they can do it with Jeff Goldblum and that fly, I... I mm. You realise that those aren't documentaries, Robin. They're all just they're fictional. Don't spoil okay. anything Sorry. that exists in my brain. I'm 43 and I can't <laughs> take the truth. <laughs> Actually, thinking of giant things, did uh, I don't know if any of you did any of you ever see Night of the Lepus? Did you see it? Oh Greg? yeah. Are you kidding me with DeForest uh, Kelly? 
Yeah, great. It's a giant killer rabbit movie. Oh. And you probably remember then the great moment in the drive-in where the policeman suddenly goes, everyone, get out of here. There's a herd of killer rabbits coming this way. One of the great lines <laughs> in 1972 And then to indicate US how cinema. scary they are, they move in slow motion, and then they play this weird screechy rabbit noise that rabbits make apparently when they have human bloodlust. <laughs> <laughs> Right. That sounds about right. Kind of a, and then you see them pounding down the turf in slow motion. Like Quite sort of a an, movie. It's like an eagle type sound. <laughs> yeah, well, or a reverse rabbit sound. I'm not certain how they concocted the sound, but it was marvelous and really evocative. I prefer Attack of the Killer Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah. yeah well, you know, you got to take what you can get when it's it comes true. to killer attacks it's true. of giant things. Of giant objects. I would like, maybe the, maybe the five of us could get together and put together a, an Attack of the Giant Prawn type film. I would like that. That'd right. be cool. Well, I'll tell you what, Australian cinema, there's quite an interesting one about a uh, movie about children's dance competitions uh, called Razzle Dazzler, Journey into Dance. Oh, yeah, I never uh, saw Which it. Uh, I, uh, I co-wrote and never actually got a US oh. release, but I'm still looking for a US release. It did open the New York Children's Film Festival, but that certainly does have a horror element. It is available for about a cent from Amazon.com. I remember <laughs> It's a big plug. I remember the trailers. Uh, if we're all done looking for new revenue streams, I'll let you know the score. <laughs> the U.S. currently stands at 10 points and our Commonwealth super team at 6. <laughs> You're listening to International Waters with me, your host, Jesse Thorne. Like period drama, mental disability, or a funny nose, no actor can resist the lure of a role that calls for a foreign accent. Done right, and like Meryl Streep and Daniel Day-Lewis, you're tits deep in Oscars. <laughs> Get it wrong, and you're Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins, doing the voice of a cockney chimney sweep who apparently is also from outer space. <laughs> it's a jolly ole day with Mary. <laughs> It's my uh, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. Thank you very much. In this round, we celebrate the worst of thespian excess. We'll play some short clips, buzz in if you can identify the film or TV show, Uh and for a bonus point, where the hell the character is supposed to be from. So uh, let's hear our first clip. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. Wackadoo! If you're looking for a ransom... (laughs) <laughs> wow, that was fast. I'm going to go to the UK team on this one. Is that Liam Neeson? Yes, it is. Uh, he did the voiceover for a documentary called Darwin's Dangerous Idea, in which he does the voiceover as an American, which seemed to me the strangest thing. I'm not going to <laughs> Charles Darwin decided to go on the voyage of the Beagle. <laughs> it's the most peculiar thing. Uh, so I know that that was Liam Neeson. Uh, over to you, Claudia, with your young person's cultural knowledge. I think, well, it's definitely <laughs> one of the movies where he's rescuing a young woman, be it his daughter or girlfriend, certainly someone he is far too old to be married to, um, who has been kidnapped. But I know that happens in a lot of movies recently for him. So it's either, um, like, <laughs> Taken, ran- no, Ransom. You're absolutely Melody. correct. Oh, I'm, giving, I'm giving it to you. It is Taken. And can you identify the accent he's doing in the film? Oh, I think he's meant to be American. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's exactly the ac- accent he? he's trying to do. He's meant oh to be God. American. He's yeah. doing the classic accent, I think he's meant to be American. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, hey there. How are you, goddammit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like cowboy boots and clam chowder. Gee, I'd like to park in a parking lot if I could. (laughs) The interesting thing about Taken is that the Taken 2 sequel is coming out next week, and the dialogue is exactly the same. Wow. And the situation is only different in that his wife is now Taken as opposed to just his daughter. It's sort of like an It's Pat sketch on Saturday Night Live. Just (laughs) change a little bit of the context and play it out as before. What's that? Taken two's not. I feel like taken again. You know one of those kind of upbeat things, right. like a stakeout and another stakeout. Yeah. Well, but which one taken. does his, Which one does his wife? There's a January Jones gets taken one of them, but I think that's not. Oh, taken. oh that's in Taken no, S. The third one, the Taken, Takener, and the Takeners. <laughs> yeah, that was Tooken. Um, this time it stays Took. Yeah. The, the funny thing about Taken Two is it's Taken the number two, which I thought would have been so much more awesome if it was Taken. T-O-O yeah. because it's his daughter and wife this uh, time. Yeah. <laughs> also take Sort of like look who's talking to is that what you're saying? Yes. Or why did I get married to the Tyler Perry classic. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Here's our next clip. Should we stop at the supermarket on the way home? I'm very fond of those ham and cheese hot pockets that you had last year. Oh, I keep those stocked. Everything's oh, just like you remember. Twinkie. <laughs> Did you did you guys did you guys ring in Commonwealth? Oh, there was a lot of grunting. No, I couldn't quite get the wackadoo out because it, it's on the cusp, but my I can't get the neurons to work that are required for this. So over to Robin. <laughs> I actually have no clue, but I think Ed Asner was in that clip. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Okay, I mean it's a fair guess. Was it to John say, the Honey in that clip? I think Ed Asner was in that clip for just a clip from something. Right, right. It's it like was, it was about as good guess, as it right? gets, yeah. guess wise. That was actually a clip from Frasier. Uh, the character speaking in uh, in that scene is Daphne's brother Simon. Uh, can anyone guess where Simon... He's supposed Simon's... to be from Manchester. You're absolutely correct. Yay! But he's not doing a Mancunian accent as we know it. No, no, in fact, he probably doesn't even know that someone who's from Manchester does a Mancunian Frankly, accent. Frank Daphne wasn't doing a Manchester accent the whole time. She's not from Manchester. Absolutely oh. not. Yeah, but you know what? Let's this hear guy, the next Daphne. She said in an interview that in the first, uh, like the kind of pilot or whatever, she did a proper kind of like Mancunian accent. And then went, right. ah, that won't read very well in America. You have to make up... This this kind of oh. mad everywhere northern accent that would read better. I think you're mistaking that for the movie Mad Max, which they dubbed into American <laughs> so that the Australian accents would play better. Let's hear our next clip. I'm a soldier, but in serving my country, I have betrayed my conscience. I am involved in high treason with all means available to me. Can I count you in? For anything, sir. Anything at all. Anything is a very dangerous word, Lieutenant. Twinkums. Oh! (laughs) That was definitely Greg. I'm giving that over to Greg. Broops. I think I'm going to fail about halfway through this one. I'm, I'm Tom Cruise, the noted spiritualist. Yes. Uh, yeah. Was is one of the characters. Yeah. I'm having a heck of a time. I'm assuming it's a Mission Impossible. Um, it, it that is incorrect. It oh. was actually Valkyrie. The... Oh, come. But... oh, it was Valkyrie. Oh, Val- it's Valkyrie. The other one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely correct. One point for each team. Um, that accent that Tom Cruise was doing was wait for it. German. Yeah, he was Count von Stauffenberg. No. Yes, and Bill Nye and Kenneth Branagh yes. were also in that film. 
speaking as they ordinarily do in yes. their day-to-day lives, and also being German. As, actu- as Romans. I, yeah. Yes, I actually know a little bit of background about this. So Tom Cruise did go to see uh, some sort of linguistic specialist to or accent specialist to do the German accent. But the Church of Scientology – no, I'm just kidding. I don't want them to come after me. Um, no, no, no. But it was so bad that they said, you know what? Just speak. Yeah. And we won't worry about it. Who plays Mr. Valkyrie in that movie? I would have loved to have watched a, just a movie where Tom Cruise went around doing a sort of – you know, super broad 1952-style German accent, like, oh, hello, where's, where's my motorcycle? Yes, yes. Perhaps you have information about where the hard water plant is located. <laughs> but, guys, do you want We've to hear the saddest w- accent story in the world? Oh, yeah. Of course. It's really sad. If this show's about anything, it's tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> when Andy McDowell stopped being a model and became an actress, she got a role in a European film, and she had to do an accent. And she took her entire family to the premiere, and they didn't tell her that they dubbed her entire role. Oh, And Tarzan, she was like the yeah. star of the movie. And so then they're like, we can't wait to see you in the movie. And then it was oh. like, oh. Greystoke. Oh. That's great. Oh. It's Greystoke, yeah. Legend of With, uh, the Legend um, uh, And there's another one as well, Britt Eklund in uh, The Wicker Man. Uh, yeah, she's dubbed who, completely. It's not even her, it's neither her so, voice so nor her bottom. Talk like it's a double rip-off yeah. there. <laughs> they do, they double her in the naked scene too, yeah. it's true. Not that we would know that and that we're older and pervy, but <laughs> spend some time watching that scene and really getting to know it. It's actually the, the body double in The Wicker Man is up there with, uh, not Criswell, but, you know, Plan 9 from Outer Space, where mm-hmm. uh, the Edwards uh, chiropodist plays Bela Lugosi. Yeah, and looks right, nothing right. like Bela Lugosi, as you know, I'm sure. He's, about, he's, he's a foot taller, his hair's different, but he always has a cape across the whole of his face, <laughs> and therefore you would know. And right. it's kind of up there with the fact going, Britt Eklund, everything about this woman is different. We can't see her face, but I'm really getting the sense this is Britt Eklund. <laughs> right. Okay, we've got one final clip. I know where the bastard sleeps. I brought him there to Carfax Abbey. Wow. Oh, that's such a good one. Ka-a-do. That was spectacular. Oh no. Oh. Yeah, come on. I heard the wackadoo. Wackadoo. Wackadoo, wackadoo. Keanu Reeves. Yes, you're absolutely oh correct. In what do you know the film? Is it Dangerous Liaisons? But I... No, wait. Dracula. Uh, but wait, he's doing... Oh, no, it's a vampire one. It's Dracula. It's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, you're absolutely uh. correct. What sort of accent was that supposed to be? Well, um, the author of Dracula is Irish, but I'm pretty sure in the movie he's meant to be English, right? Well, he would have gone up to uh, Whitby, I would imagine. To yes, find, Whitby. To help find a house for Count Dracula. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Whitby. He's doing a yeah, Whitby accent. writer does an awesome English accent in it too. She says, "My boyfriend is a cluck." Because <laughs> <laughs> we would say clerk, and they would say Clark, and she split the difference on that. <laughs> My boyfriend is a cluck. Is a cluck. A cluck. I'm I'm disappointed that we're not going to hear more of this Dracula real estate talk from the Commonwealth <laughs> team. Well, the, it seems a little pricey, but I'll take it. <laughs> There's Up and coming neighborhoods here. <laughs> Are there Negroes nearby? This is all I wish to know. <laughs> I require French windows for. My... <laughs> 
You're listening to International Waters with me, your host, Jesse Thorne. We've got a special guest now on the show who may have been cringing throughout that last accent round. Tom Weston-Jones plays Irish-American detective Kevin Corcoran in the new BBC America series, Copper. Hey, Tom, how's it going? It's good. Yeah, it's going very well. Just sort of acclimatizing myself to this sauna that we're in mm. right now. Yeah, well, I'm on my luxury recording yacht off the coast of Ibiza. Let's be clear about <laughs> right. that. But the Ameri- you're here with the American team in Los Angeles yeah. in our nightmarish recording studio. It's more like a, a budget version of the TARDIS. <laughs> I imagine it to be. I think the TARDIS is bigger on the inside than it seems on the outside. This is... Just as small on the inside as it seems like on the outside. That's how I describe my soul. (laughs) Uh, This is where you'd punish children. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. That's That's actually been going on the whole time, but the listeners have no idea. Right. This is a timeout room, really. This is what the... You know, I've heard Greg on a few things, and there's not a single room I've ever seen Greg in without him saying, this is the kind of room you punish children. It turns out (laughs) every room for Greg is a room for punishing children. Greg has some skeletons in his closet. It's a through line for me. My other one is this is where the mafia has its prom. (laughs) But I don't think the mafia would have their prom here unless they were really down at heels. Yeah. If the mafia is fading, this might be where they'll have their last dance. Tom, your show, Copper, is set in New York in the 1860s. It is, And I wondered if, in the course of making this show, you learned any really good stuff about New York in the 1860s. None. Possibly None. like no? like ancient old timey swear words, different things that people in the nineteenth century called prostitutes. Yeah, um, d- d- kind of kinds of funny hats that people wore at well, the there's time. A, there's, a, there's always like a bunch of interesting things whenever you launch into doing something historical because you just kind of go like, how did how did they live like this? But I guess um, <laughs> some of the most interesting things I found were the bare knuckle boxing because my character is an ex bare knuckle boxer and he was in the Civil War. And um, researching the bare knuckle boxing, that they were like gladiators, man. They literally went in the, f- in the first time I read the first script. They say, "So you went for like sixty rounds right. against Mike McCool, and you just right. go, that's 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 bullshit.' That's, no, they would uh, go like hundreds of rounds. Yeah, right? yeah, but the but rounds then, lasted wasn't it very illegal quickly. Back then, wasn't boxing illegal? No, no, like boxing that? was no. perfectly legal. At it was some fine. point, yeah. And all the champs were Irish. It's yeah. true. The majority but they of them. They weren't like super ripped like they are now, right? No, like they, they were just had kind of a very... they eat a steak and then go hit somebody. Yeah, <laughs> but they, they also didn't give a crap about size either. So right. they'd pen someone who's enormous up against a very quick fighter, like a bantam-sized person. Right. Uh, this, I mean, I, I can only imagine that the the streets of New York City in 1860 were a very different place than they mm. are now. Yeah. I mean, like. Uh, toilets, for example. Yeah, Just I always the wonder about the of smell. Oh. Yeah, well, we actually had on set, we had real horses and real horse poo. So that kind of <laughs> took you straight back there, which was great, which was um, as soon as you walk in, you're hit by this wave of rotting poo. <laughs> so it's kind of a nice way to wake up in the morning, I think. But my favorite part was looking at the weapons that they had back then, because they'd literally put like a horseshoe on a stick, and then that was like a police weapon, or the face of an iron and stuff like that. It was just so oh. brutal. So they were heavy, yeah. blunt objects. Well, yeah, the police were like a gang, yeah. really. They, they Even before that, they had two police forces that would fight amongst each other to, wow. to actually Well, wasn't know, that the gangs of New York, or did I not watch that? Yeah, well, my favorite part in that film okay. is when the, they have two fire trucks pulling up in the same right. place and then just brawling outside of it because oh, awesome. they all want to put out the fire Everyone when people are burning alive. Everyone has such a sense of civic duty in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, did you get to learn any cool 19th century skills? Did you Did you have to learn any cool bare-knuckle boxing moves? Can you churn butter? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, did a, I did a lot of um, 
boxing before it and uh, did this modern style, which we see nowadays. And at the same time, we went back and, and looked at what it was like then. And there's a lot of variety. People always, you know, look at that traditional stance of this and it all right. looks quite They're old-fashioned. Yeah, come I was on. Gonna say, do you ever comically rotate your fists before yeah. you hit anyone? Well, I, I try to avoid that wherever possible, and yeah. I actually came up with a different stance. Oh, what he's doing they would now have used. for people who can't see him, it looks like he's sweeping with the broom. Yeah, sweeping with a broom. You would actually have your jab hand down by your waist, and you'd have to bring it up oh. to pop someone in the face. It's really uneconomical because you're wide open, spent. basically. Right. But they were kind of toe-to-toe anyway, yeah. so yeah. it would just be, you just literally punch each other until one person dies wow. or gets knocked out, and that's, that's about the gist of it. Do you get to carry any particularly cool 19th century weapons? Yeah, well, you have the guns that are like Colts or Remingtons from the time, and whenever you do a fight scene, the guns themselves are so temperamental. They, they, they have so many different elements that have to go together. They take like 15 mm. minutes to load, yeah. so you can't exactly just... Come on, I'll go again. You've got to take a long time over it. And um, when we were doing the scenes, they would misfire all the time. So we'd end up just, in the moment, chucking the gun. (laughs) (laughs) Finding anything we could do. We didn't look very graceful doing it, is is the gist. Well, Tom, in honor of the launch of Copper, we thought we'd have you challenge our teams to identify whether some top cop shows from the opposing nations Mm -hmm. are real or fake. So we'll have Tom read out a title and concept to each of our teams, and we want you to tell us, teams, if it was ever actually broadcast on television. So the first question is for the USA. Tom, read that title yeah. and description. Um, as it's for England, I'll do it in an English voice. Um, Rosemary and Time. <laughs> Rosemary Boxer and Laura Time are retired female gardeners. Each week they find themselves investigating horticulturally based murder mysteries in pleasantly landscaped gardens around the British Isles. Is it real or fake, U.S. team? I'd say real just because it's... Yeah, you think so? Rosemary and Time sounds so a little... All right, go on. A little hokey. But hokey enough to work. We're going to say real. <laughs> You're absolutely wow. correct. Flipped on a dime. Amazingly, just mind-shatteringly, that is yeah. a real oh, television yeah. program. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you have to understand that English people would rather do – they would rather be in their garden than do anything else other than drink and fight with each other. <laughs> that makes so much sense. Yeah, they want uh, yeah, to be outside. But you have training. a biological ticking time clock as an English person. When you reach 50, you will be obsessed with it. Yeah, you have to have a garden. Yeah, yeah. you have to have a garden. And then you watch all the gardening shows and you have a big poster of Alan Titchmarch in your house. Yeah. It's, it's just, it all goes south, as yeah, they say. Yeah. Um, our next show is for the UK. Okay. Uh, CSI High. This Saturday afternoon version of the procedural featured teen detectives solving mysteries and coping with the trials of adolescence. It was paired with reruns of Saved by the Bell and Degrassi, <laughs> but failed to last more than a season. So oh, is CSI High real? I'm just seeing Screech having an autopsy now from uh, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> the, um, of course, in, in the UK we had CS Heidi High, uh, which was a, a TV series about uh, uh, murders in a 1950s summer camp involving a pantomime horse. But this is a very specific reference that <laughs> oh won't be international. God. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no, wow. no one does. Even English people have no idea, and it's been going on for 40 years now. Um, I reckon, what do you reckon, Claudia? I reckon it's I a no. I don't think that's true, guys. I think you're trying to trick us. That sounds crazy. 
You're absolutely correct. That is not a real show. Although the idea of a CSI show starring Screech from Saved by the Bell does have a certain appeal to me. Mr. Belding? He was once on The Sound of Young America many years ago. Uh, and, uh, when he was purporting to be a stand-up comic? Exactly. <laughs> and he was on tour. He was in Santa Cruz. Uh, we wanted to talk about his chess instructional video. He would not talk to us about that. We wanted to talk to him about his band. Uh, he would not talk about that. He kept telling these weird, off-color joke book jokes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we said, wow, maybe we should talk about your stand-up. And he said, well, I've been doing my stand-up. And we said, okay, oh. you're a terrible person. Oh, God. <laughs> it was really brutal. It was oh, definitely God. the worst interview in the history of our show. Oh, Not even close. Just jokes about people in wheelchairs and stuff. Oh, oh no. it was oh. awful. Okay. Our next question <laughs> is for the USA. Okay. Fox and Hound. Fox Alderton is the cynical landlord of a haunted pub on the Yorkshire Moors. Emily Hound is a sexy, young, psychic investigator who speaks to the dead to find out how they were murdered. Is it real or fake? Wow. Well, they've ripped off my life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Greg. Uh, I'm going to say no this time. All right. We're You're absolutely correct. Yeah! Nice. That is a fake show, although given the other crap that we just learned is real, it's not very <laughs> far-fetched. <laughs> well, the U.S., you had uh, Crazy Like a Fox. You remember Crazy Like With a the- Fox? What was the one that had Joanna Lumley in the 70s? It was Steel and Sapphire and Steel. They were uh, Sapphire and Steel. Steel. That was awesome, yeah. (laughs) I only realised because it was about all the elements had different powers, actually could become kind of have take human form. And it was only recently I went, hang on a minute. Neither sapphire nor steel is actually an element. And you know when when the periodic table ruins a 1970s TV series, it's a terrible moment for an Well, they can call it when alloys attack. (laughs) Exactly. Chromium and tungsten. (laughs) Manganese, get in here. Um, Our next next show... Bromium was the black guy. They call me Bromium. (laughs) Our next show... I'm tungsten. (laughs) Taste my steel. Get it? I did a homosexual joke. I got it. (laughs) Sure. They're always rich. Our next show is for the UK. Yes. Uh, Love it or leave it. After leaving Saturday Night Live in 1990, Cherubic comedian John Lovitz tried his hand at a cop show that lasted only two episodes. He was teamed up with a brassy female beat cop from New Jersey nicknamed Bunt Cake. Well. UK, is it real or fake? He's kind of a bit of a... Uh, interesting, isn't he, John Lovitz? Uh, or was politically? Um, was he? John Lovitz is spectacularly interesting in every way. Yeah, yeah. He John Lovitz club is here in Los Angeles. amazing. Opera singer. I don't know if you knew that. No, no I did not know that. That scene at the Opera beginning singer. of Happiness. Have you seen the follow-up to Happiness, Life no. During Wartime? No, Entirely different cast playing the same characters. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. The guy, uh, Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens, yeah. is playing the John Lovitz character. Fantastic. Amazing. But that's not what you're asking oh us, God. is it? Um, <laughs> no. No. The, uh, I reckon, do you know what? I, I, what do you reckon? I think that's, that has Bunt the sound cake. of someone who is, uh, you can make anything you want. I've come up with an idea. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, the title is incredible. Uh, but I just, I feel like if it was a real thing, we would have found out who played Bunt Cake. 
I think it was. I, I get the suspicion that it was like a kind of documentary where John Lovitz went on patrol with oh. people. Maybe. Oh, like that Steven Seagal show. Oh, I've What's heard Steven about this, Seagal but I haven't show? seen it. But that was real, quote unquote, right? <laughs> yeah, that was a that was an actual documentary about Steven Seagal screwing up police <laughs> operations yeah. in New Orleans. He's trying to protect us <laughs> by scowling at people. Right. Why can't anyone get off his butt? Commonwealth team, you're going to have to pick one. I don't think it's real, Robert. Okay, I'm do you know sorry. what I go with you? I yeah. really just okay. want to win this thing, so okay. I, I can't mess around. I don't think it's true. I don't think it's real. Yeah, that's the ticket. It is completely I'm fake. glad we're taking it seriously. There we go. I'm glad it's... Well, there's a big cash prize at the end of this, yeah. right? Right? You get a date with Steven Seagal. She just wants to impress <laughs> you, I need to lose. Can we subtract points? <laughs> Someone told me that it's Steven Seagal now in films. He's so big that he actually has a stunt double to do his walking in and out shots. Whoa. <laughs> really? Yeah, apparently he, he's kind of got a bit lazy in the last few films that he did. And uh, there's a great one with Michael Caine on Deadly Ground. Oh, where I'm Michael de- Caine oh, gets lo- so bored halfway through, he stops doing his accent. So for the first piece, he's going... <laughs> Yes, that's right. I am a bad American. No, I'm not. I can't be bothered. And it's fantastic. Yeah. I think that's what happened with Kevin Costner in Robin Hood as well. Yeah. He stopped yeah. doing the accent after the first scene. Yeah. Oh, you're back on accents again. I'm, I'm, kind of, sorry. I'm kind of annoyed that I missed that because I... Well, you have to do... You are, you are playing Irish-American. Yeah. In, is it like an... Oh, tut, tut, tut type situation? <laughs> like a no, cookie no, crisp? No, it's more like a... It, it's like an American Irish rather than Irish American, really. Because at first I wanted to make him like from Northern Ireland and make yeah. it kind of true. Yeah, because they, they all stuck together and all that. But then there's it's a melting pot of different accents, so I kind of made it more American. And then you change certain sounds, like like right. for instance, the I goes to I, and certain things like that. And it's uh, I just tried to maintain that as much as I can. But the good thing is, is that you can change it depending on who you're talking to because he's so. Uh, he, he does it all the time, so he can manipulate people. Oh, he's a right. shapeshifter. That's always fun, but I had a lot of people on my back for it for the first That's week. Yeah. yeah. You're a bit brogy, Tom. A bit brogy. My Irish accent always goes from leprechaun to Jamaican. <laughs> See, that often happens with Welsh. Yeah, well, it's like, tubble the on. It's horrible. Everything <laughs> <laughs> is just bad. Which is why I don't make a living doing anything with accents. You've got to make a makeover show called From Leprechaun to Jamaican. We <laughs> take small, magical, ginger-haired very, men. Very niche. <laughs> very, very niche. You know, there were some guys at my college radio station at KZSE that might have qualified for really? that job. Yeah. Very nice. See? A, few, a few white guys with dreadlocks talking in yeah. patois. Nice. <laughs> I'm here to help. Hacking the sack, you know, yep. Santa Cruz stuff. Nice. Yeah. Um, our next question is for the U.S. team. Doc Martin. Martin Bamford is a doctor in a picturesque Cornish village. Like Gregory House, each week he investigates medical mysteries. He is also clumpy and frightening. Clumpy? That's clumpy. <laughs> yeah. What does that You mean, mean he sticks to the bottom of a shovel? <laughs> yeah. You mean he's a well-advanced yeast infection? Oh, oh. God, sorry. Wow. <laughs> And the pants fell from the ceiling. (laughs) He is also clumpy and frightening, like a big old pair of Doc Martin boots. Oh, that makes perfect sense. I don't remember this one, but it may well be true. It doesn't sound true, but it may well be true. Well, we had one that was and then wasn't. Yeah, so there's that. 
so There's I don't know. There's the whole know. randomness of the 50% chance of winning. <laughs> you guys are trying to scheme this out like a, I know. Like a dumb kid taking the SATs. <laughs> Why don't you just take a guess and I'll buy it. All right. Well, up. there was no reference to Alanis Morissette, who I always think about when I think of Doc Martens. I don't know why. Um, Canadian? I'm going to say no. We'll, go, we'll say no. Yeah. That's incorrect. No! Doc Martin is an it's absolutely quite real recent show. as well. Yeah, I think this may it's run hard. on PBS in the United States, actually. Re- oh, God. Yeah. Man, I gotta, shame I gotta, on gotta, me. Yeah, I need to subscribe so I can get cookbooks and stuff. I got to get back up on <laughs> it's, got Ma- it's got Martin Clunes from Men Behaving Badly. Oh, it's Martin Clunes. Oh! It is Doc Martin. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. I have seen the bloody yeah, promo yeah. for that. Oh, well. Oh. It's, we change our vote to true. Sorry, Doc Martin fans. I'll give you a point for chutzpah. Yeah. What about for moxie? Can I get half a point for that? (laughs) What about for gumption? Exactly. What about just good old fashioned spunk? What about for gams? Sorry, I just thought we were going back to the 30s. Our our next show. I may have misspoke before when I said we didn't think it was a show. I think we did. I think think you did misspeak. Our next show is for the UK team Alien Nation. A hard-boiled cop, Matthew Skies, teams up with an alien from a visiting race called the Newcomers. They solve crimes whilst coming to a cross-species understanding. Real or fake, UK team? Robin, what's your vibe? Hmm. Do you know what? It sounds fake. We'll drag this out because I don't want to mention that it's based on a, a movie. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you didn't realise the level of autism that's going on on this side. Otherwise, you would have, uh, Not was, only did I know you would know it was a movie, I know you know who was in the movie. It was, too, it was James Caan and Mandy Patinkin, I think, as far as I remember. And I can't remember who was in the TV series, but it was... Mandy Patinkin yeah. is my dream woman. She's yeah. so beautiful. She really is. I'll tell you what, in Yentl, that was when she was her very best playing the circus sideshow thing. Uh, yeah, so Alien Nation, we'll go with yes. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, they got some mighty impressive heads. So, Tom, the career of an actor is never an easy one. There are always ups and downs. And mm. while we have high hopes for many seasons of Copper to come, we're going to uh, give you a special gift, which is each of our panels will be pitching you the next phase of your career. Mm. You'll choose which one you prefer, and we'll give points to the team whose plan was chosen. Are you ready? Ready as I'll ever be. Are you open to some great ideas? Because I think that we're uh, going to get some great ideas always, out of this process. Always. Okay, excellent. I'm going to start with the U.S. team. Robin and Greg, what should be the next phase of Tom's career? Oh, well, I had a little idea just off the top of my head. There's a movie called Magic Mike that had Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Uh, and, other, and Channing Tatum. And, Chan- mm. and, and some great business ideas. And Chen- mm. Channing, Ch- Ch- Channing Tatum. T- Tatum. Tatum. I can <laughs> never say his name. Chanapunam. <laughs> it had Chanapunam and, Ma- and Matthew McConaughey. And I think there should be a TV version, and it should be called Mr. Carrot. And what happens is he was a, he was a, a former meth addict, and now he's a Christian, but he's running a, 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 a strip club for women uh, who are going to get married. Uh, maybe the even Mormon missionary women who are going to go on a mission. I like that. And he's Mr. Carrot, and, uh, and he has an enormous... You know, uh, willingness to please, mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 women come to the club, and uh, he has to do dances. But at the end of episode, every episode, we learn uh, a moral, uh, maybe that we didn't know about ourselves at the beginning. Uh-huh. And the slogan is "Mr. Carrot." Panties to the ceiling. There you go. <laughs> carrots are good for your eyes. They it's are really true. good for your eyes. So the women they who come are. in can see everything. <laughs> oh, right, right. Okay, that's good, Greg. I like that. But yeah, I was 
going to suggest that you become uh, a dance and makeup coach on Honey Boo Boo. Now, I'm not sure if you've seen this show, but the little girl is uh, from a rural village in the quaint little Mm -hmm. state of Georgia, and uh, her mother is an obese woman, I say that politely, uh, who has a child who's, I don't know, five or six, who does pageants Mm -hmm. and she puts on a shit ton of makeup and hair extensions and she goes around saying things like you don't want to mess with me honey boo boo child (laughs) so i think that you should teach her a proper british accent and um you know just try to flip her image you know so that hopefully one day she too can be a teen mom Thank you. Interesting. It'll be like My Fair Lady. That sounds great. Thanks. Maybe you could teach her bare knuckle boxing. And that. Yes. Teach her the hard way. Well, we... Oh, that was a weird reference to a five-year-old. We've got two great ideas from the U.S. team. Um, UK, UK team, or I should say this time around, Commonwealth team. Um, what is your pitch for the next phase of Tom's career? Okay, Tom, hear me out. Hear me out. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, you're not getting any younger. And <laughs> this is a pretty Way sophisticated genre. It's my favorite genre of movies. And that is um, from the late 80s and early 90s. It was like very glossy sex thrillers. Like Michael Douglas always played the lead role in them. Got, so you've okay. Got like Fatal Attraction. Disclosure is the best one. I had not seen mm-hmm. that movie. Has anybody seen Disclosure? Oh, just it highlights. Oh, yes. It's one of the most vicious. Why is it so many older businessmen are constantly being sexually harassed by the young and beautiful? <laughs> when true. will society change? It's incredible. I just like all of the um, early references to the internet because there's a lot of very ominous yes. emails in that movie. Um, the Net is another one, but I just I think you should be the new Michael Douglas. That's my plan for oh. you. And I oh, think you're going to be incredible, Tom. I think you're going to be amazing. Also, you get to bang lots of people up against desks and sinks. Yep. <laughs> so almost like True. a sort of glossier version of Fifty Shades of Grey or something like that. Yeah, much oh. glossier. Everyone's always got like a beautiful house. It's usually and a wax white, chest as well. And there's mm-hmm. lots of vegetables yep. in the fridge. But then you're and also no one wears t-shirts under their the sweater. Sink. It's true. You wear a jumper without yeah. a t-shirt. No. That's yep. right. Absolutely. Well, that's not a bad suggestion. Robin, do you have something special for Tom? Well, from something you've just said, I, I've thought of possibly Fifty Shades of Greystoke, uh, oh. which is about a collection of uh, half uh, ape and half man. But we're not going to do that. Um, now, I was going to pitch you an idea, which is kind of a mixture of Quantum Leap and Highway to Heaven, uh, in which uh, the Prophet Muhammad, but because of recent events, I've decided not to pitch that now. Uh, I think this is one called um, Homeopathologist. Uh, he's a homeopath and a pathologist. And whenever he actually <laughs> finds someone dead near a scene of a crime, they go, this is no way we can solve the crime. And he goes, hang on a minute, look, there's a tiny bit of water. Maybe that will remember what happened. And then he uses the memory of water to solve the different crimes. Oh, my God. Wow, you've got four really solid yeah. suggestions here, Tom. Yeah. This is going to oh, be God. tricky. Maybe you should go and sleep on it and we should record well, the rest of the Well, what's great is that they're all very different avenues uh, to, to go down because they're all um I mean they're all very current I yeah. think. Well, let me just tell you, mine's not a job; it's a career. It's a career. Yeah. Hold on. So just no, think about the pitching it. Can, can I pitch? I can't pitch. The pitching is completed. You've you get had a lot your of window. access to beige cashmere in my option. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm wearing a lot of right now. All I'm saying is, if you do mine, you get points. <laughs> it's true.
<laughs> and I'll give you EP credit right off the bat. <laughs> oh, God, now we know 10% we're going to bump win. after two seasons. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, just think about it. That's all. Get paid in carrots. Yeah, oh, dude. That kind of thing. They're rich in uh, hyperflavin. <laughs> My one, you've got a good laugh scene at the end. Every single... At the end of every <laughs> you go, that's a memory of water. <laughs> like that. It'd be amazing. Absolutely yeah, amazing. And water <laughs> sales, you'll be on, like, kind of Evian bottles. There's so many... People love water. There's so, you can have water as a solid, a gas, a liquid, all different ways of selling water. You guys are almost too excited about these <laughs> ideas, the premise of which is you're supposed to be really excited about right. them. It's almost upsetting at this point. Tom, Poor Tom. Tom. Tom's like, I'll just keep acting, thanks. Tom, <laughs> Tom Weston-Jones, which one of these do you prefer? Now, okay. I think because I'm a believer in alternatives to medicine uh-huh. in some ways, not that I think they work, but I think the placebo effect is an amazing thing. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with the water healer. I'm going to oh, have to go with him. Yeah. Oh, I agree with him on the placebo effect. We'll, we'll, uh... Which could also be the title. Yeah. Yeah, placebo that's effect. not a bad title. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad title, actually. <laughs> well, well Tom, we don't, Tom I don't need Jones. you in my movies. I'm going to make them anyway. I think they're going to be good. <laughs> Channing Tatum with carrots. Solving murders with water. And accents. Hey, did you guys know that Fatal Attraction had a scene that they shot that was the actual ending that they couldn't air because it was too depressing? Right. So apparently she, she – you remember that scene where she's like cutting her leg and like talking to him or whatever like yeah. at the end? Okay. So instead she apparently slit her throat and killed herself and he got framed for her murder. Oh, and it was too better. depressing. I thought so too. Well, did she come out of the bathtub at the very end and then he kills her? Yeah, something yeah, I don't does. remember, yeah. but she does die. But but at this, she died at her own hand, and uh, he got framed for it, and that was how it ended. But apparently, American audiences did not buy that. I would have bought it. Oh, I like that. Mm. I like that Sharon Stone one. What was that one? It's incredibly oh, uh, depressing. Crotch shot. Yeah, oh, that it? one. Crotch shot. Uh, yeah. It was called crotch shot. It was called crotch shot. <laughs> basic instinct? Is yes, yes, yes. Because he has violent, uh, lengthy intercourse, hammer and tongs with her for ages, goes into the bathroom and doesn't urinate. And that was the part where it all <laughs> fell apart for me. <laughs> Any man will tell you there's only one thing you're going to do as soon as that's over. Yep. He went to the sink and poured water on his face, and then her lesbian girlfriend came in and he glared you sure at it was her. water? You sure Spoiler alert. I'm not sure at all. What? Spoiler alert. (laughs) You'll see a crotch. (laughs) Well, Tom Weston Jones, thank you so much for joining us on International Waters. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been great. You can catch Tom on Copper on BBC America. It's International Waters. The score now 19 points for the U.S., 27 for the Commonwealth, and we now come to the final round. The winner of this round will receive 1,000 points, making all the rounds (laughs) up until now completely irrelevant. Bet you're sorry you wasted that time that you could have been using to, I don't know, (laughs) take online surveys or something. This game is called In Defense. Each team will have 60 seconds to leap to the defense of a cultural force that is widely considered to be bad or weak or sucky. The best defense, as judged by me, will receive the points. For the Commonwealth nations of UK and Australia, you'll be defending recording artist, songwriter, showgirl, and actress Kylie Minogue, OBE. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Robin and Claudia, prepare yourselves. You've got to defend Miss Kylie Minogue. 
I mean, I don't even know why this is a topic because I think she's an incredible woman. She's got a beautiful voice. She's a cancer survivor. She lives in France some of the time. She went out with Olivier Martinez. <laughs> I met her at a party in 1989. That's true. It was a New Year's Eve party. <laughs> Um, I mean, what else? I mean, I don't know what's wrong with that. I, Sales I of disco offensive. balls in 1995 had sunk to an all-time low mm-hmm. with the possibility <laughs> that Disco Ball Valley, just south of L.A., was going to have to close down. But thanks to <laughs> Kylie Minogue's work, America. Disco Ball Valley is still one of the most vibrant disco ball manufacturing communities in the entire world. These people want to attack Kylie Minogue. These guys are crazy. These are good. I mean, she lives some of the time in France. Who could you say that about apart exactly. from her? Some of the time. <laughs> an occasional French woman. What a there woman. are not enough occasional French women That's who right. have helped Disco Ball Valley survive. <laughs> That's time. A spirited defense of Miss Kylie Minogue. I'm still confused uh, about why that was the topic. <laughs> <laughs> United States of America, you'll be defending MTV. Once this cable network was an important countercultural force, now it features reality shows where pregnant teens mope around in chain restaurants and dating shows where contestants use state-of-the-art technology to look for semen stains. Mm. Let's put another 60 seconds on the clock. Greg Robin, defend MTV. Well, first of all, in that intro, you gave us so many things. Um, but I do think they canceled Jersey Shore, point mm. one, right? Teen Mom has shown women how to get pregnant early and then how to ruin their lives even earlier. Another amazing point. Uh, I think that the uh, the spread of STDs had slowed uh, yep. until a lot of the reality shows came on MTV, and now it's a veritable bouillon of STDs. Whatever show you're watching, whether it's Teen Mom or Jersey Shore, also the illiterate had not been given enough of a voice in American That's culture, true. and those who could barely find their way home, but were able to drink and have physical congress with one another on a hidden green cam. And I think MTV has pushed that forward into new boundaries. America at one point was a book reading country that had a history. Boom. And MTV, exactly. <laughs> MTV dropped a neutron bomb on that. All left the survivors. They've That's broken it wide time. open. That's time. A remarkable defense of MTV. I like the fact that both of you went to failing industries defenses with disco balls <laughs> and sexually transmitted diseases. Still respectively. so intrinsically linked. <laughs> Koalas can't spread chlamydia by themselves. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I was moved that someone finally rose to speak for illiterate Yay! drunkards who can't find their way home. However, just, just, just as our great vice president takes every opportunity to remind everyone about growing up in the hard scrabble yes. streets of Scranton, Scranton and so on and so forth, my father... Worked in the disco ball mines just outside San Francisco. Really? And so the disco ball crisis of the mid 1990s touched my life personally. The disco ball mines where it's a party all the time. Yeah. And, um, and I wouldn't be able to wear the spandex that I'm wearing right now were it, is it not nice. for Kylie Minogue. So I'm going to have to give the victory this time around to the Commonwealth. Yeah. A thousand points. That brings their total to a thousand and something, and the U.S.'s total to a bunch less than a thousand and something. Commonwealth, perhaps you can celebrate the cultural harmony and blend your two most beloved 
yeast-based exports, Uh Vegemite and Marmite, Uh. to make the grossest food in history, Margemite. Robin, Greg, Claudia, Robin, thank you for playing International Waters. And um, you, out there with the earphones, thanks for listening. Bye! You've been listening to International Waters with me, your host, Jesse Thorne, playing were Robin Thede, Greg Proops, Claudia O'Doherty, and Robin Ince with special guest Tom Weston-Jones. The script, written by Jordan Morris and Sarah Morgan. Our theme tune is USA vs. White Noise by Ladytron. Our special thanks to them for letting us use it. International Waters was engineered at Max Fun HQ Hollywood, California by Lindsay Pavlis and Nick White and at Guilt-Free Post in London by Chris Morris. Our producer, may he get well soon, hurt badly in a cycling accident, but recovering well, I hear, is Colin Anderson. 